Hi everyone, welcome back to the MedBullet Step 1 podcast. In today's episode, we cover the topic of lower extremity innervation found under the MSK section at MedBullets.com. Let's begin with the clinical snapshot. A 27-year-old woman gives birth to a healthy baby boy. She had an uncomplicated vaginal delivery and was placed in obstetric stirrups during the delivery. Soon after the birth, she complains of numbness and weakness in her right foot. On exam, she has decreased sensation to light touch along the dorsum of her foot, including in the first web space. Ankle dorsiflexion is 3 out of 5, and ankle plantar flexion is 5 out of 5. She walks with a steppage gait. This is a case of a compression neuropathy of the common perineal nerve. Let's continue with an introduction to lower extremity innervation. Let's begin by reviewing the clinically relevant nerves of the lower extremity. Within the hip and thigh, Motor nerves to remember include the obturator nerve, the femoral nerve, sciatic nerve, superior gluteal nerve, and inferior gluteal nerve. Sensory nerves include the lateral femoral cutaneous nerve, the obturator nerve, and the femoral nerve. Within the leg and foot, motor nerves to remember include the tibial nerve, the common perineal nerve, which branches into the deep perineal nerve and the superficial perineal nerve. And sensory nerves to remember include the sural nerve, saphenous nerve, deep perineal nerve, superficial perineal nerve, and tibial nerve. Now let's discuss each of these nerves in more detail. Remember that the obturator nerve receives contributions from the L2 through L4 nerve roots. It provides motor innervation that results in hip adduction. More specifically, it innervates the adductor magnus, adductor longus, and adductor brevis, as well as the gracilis. It provides sensory innervation to the medial thigh, and it does not have any terminal branches. Injury to this nerve is rare, but can be caused by anterior hip dislocation. It will result in a motor deficit that demonstrates impaired hip adduction and a sensory deficit that demonstrates sensory loss over the medial thigh. The femoral nerve receives contributions from the L2 through L4 nerve roots as well. It provides motor innervation, which results in hip flexion by innervating the iliacus, sartorius, and rectus femoris, which is part of the quadriceps femoris. It also results in knee extension by innervating the quadriceps femoris, which is made up of the rectus femoris, vastus medialis, vastus intermedius, and vastus lateralis. It provides sensory innervation to the anteromedial thigh and to the medial leg and foot via the saphenous nerve. Also remember that the saphenous nerve is one of its terminal branches. Injury to this nerve may be caused by trauma, such as with penetrating pelvic injury, or due to compression, such as with prolonged hip flexion, such as by being in the lithotomy position. Or it may also be due to iatrogenic causes, such as with pelvic, abdominal, or spinal surgery. Injury results in motor deficits that may demonstrate impaired hip flexion and impaired knee extension, as well as sensory deficits that may demonstrate sensory loss over the anteromedial thigh or sensory loss over the medial leg. The sciatic nerve receives contributions from the L4 through S3 nerve roots. It provides motor innervation that results in knee flexion by innervating the hamstrings, which is made up of the semimembranosus, semitendinosus, and the long head of the biceps femoris. It does not have any direct sensory innervation, but does provide sensory innervation to the dorsum of the foot and anterolateral leg via the superficial perineal nerve, the plantar aspect of the foot via the tibial nerve, and the posterior lateral leg via the sural nerve. Its terminal branches include the common perineal nerve, and the tibial nerve. An injury to this nerve may be caused by trauma, such as with lumbar intervertebral disc herniation, 
or by entrapment, such as in piriformis syndrome, or it may be iatrogenic, such as with hip surgery. Injury would result in a motor deficit that demonstrates impaired knee flexion or impaired ankle dorsiflexion, plantar flexion, inversion, and eversion. It'll also demonstrate sensory deficits, such as with sensory loss over the dorsal and plantar surfaces of the foot and sensory loss over the lateral leg. The common perineal nerve receives contributions from the L4 through S2 nerve roots. It provides motor innervation that results in knee flexion by innervating the short head of the biceps femoris. It also provides sensory innervation to the lateral knee and to the anterior lateral leg and dorsum of the foot via the superficial perineal nerve and the posterior lateral leg via the sural nerve, which also receives innervation from the tibial nerve. And its terminal branches include the deep perineal nerve and the superficial perineal nerve. Injury to this nerve may be caused by compression, such as by being in obstetric or anesthesia stirrups, or by lying on the side during anesthesia without appropriate padding, or it may be due to tight plaster cast of a leg. It can also be caused by trauma, such as in fracture of the fibular neck. Injury would result in a motor deficit that will demonstrate impaired ankle dorsiflexion, which presents as a foot drop, and patients will often compensate with exaggerated hip and knee flexion, which is referred to as a steppage gait. It may also demonstrate impaired ankle eversion. Sensory deficits would demonstrate sensory loss over the anterior and lateral leg and sensory loss over the dorsum of the foot, including the first web space. The deep perineal nerve receives contributions from the L4 and L5 nerve roots. It provides motor innervation that results in ankle dorsiflexion by innervating the tibialis anterior. It also results in toe extension by innervating the extensor digitorum longus and extensor hallucis longus. It provides sensory innervation to the first web space, but does not have any terminal branches. Injury to this nerve may be caused by compression, such as with tight laces or ski boots, or in trauma, such as with anterior ankle trauma. Motor deficits would result, which may demonstrate impaired ankle dorsiflexion, which presents as a foot drop with a steppage gait, or with impaired ankle inversion. However, remember that the tibialis posterior can still invert the foot. There would also be a sensory deficit, which will demonstrate sensory loss over the first web space. The superficial perineal nerve receives contributions from the L4 through S1 nerve roots. It provides motor innervation that results in ankle eversion by innervating the perineus longus and perineus brevis. It provides sensory innervation to the anterolateral leg and the dorsum of the foot, except for the first web space. It does not have any terminal branches. Injury to this nerve is caused by trauma, such as in fracture of the fibular diaphysis. It may result in motor deficits that may demonstrate impaired ankle eversion and sensory deficits that will demonstrate sensory loss over the anterolateral leg and sensory loss over the dorsum of the foot. The tibial nerve receives contributions from the L4 through S3 nerve roots. It provides motor innervation that results in ankle plantar flexion by innervating the gastrocnemius soleus complex it results in ankle inversion by innervating the tibialis posterior, and it results in toe flexion by innervating the flexor digitorum longus and flexor hallucis longus. It provides sensory innervation to the plantar aspect of the foot via the medial and lateral plantar nerves, and the posterior lateral leg via the sural nerve, which also receives innervation from the common perineal nerve. Its terminal branches include the medial and lateral plantar nerves, an injury to this nerve may be caused by trauma, such as with posterior knee dislocation. It will result in motor deficits that demonstrate impaired ankle plantar flexion, impaired ankle inversion, 
However, remember that the tibialis anterior can still invert the foot, and it will also demonstrate impaired toe flexion. There will be sensory deficits that will demonstrate sensory loss over the plantar aspect of the foot. The superior gluteal nerve receives contributions from the L4 through S1 nerve roots. It provides motor innervation that results in hip abduction by innervating the gluteus medius and gluteus minimus and tensor fascia lata. It does not provide any sensory innervation and does not have any terminal branches. Injury to this nerve may be caused by posterior hip dislocation or injection to the upper medial gluteal region. It will result in a motor deficit that demonstrates impaired hip abduction. Patients will present with a positive Trendelenburg test and a positive Trendelenburg gait. In the Trendelenburg test, the patient is asked to lift one foot off the ground and to stand on the other foot. Normally, the gluteus medius and gluteus minimus muscles contract to abduct the hip and prevent it from tipping to the unsupported side. In a patient with a superior gluteal nerve injury, the pelvis will tip to the unsupported side due to impaired hip abduction. In Trendelenburg gait, a patient with a superior gluteal nerve injury will lean away from the unsupported side when walking to indirectly raise the pelvis in order to allow their leg to clear the ground. Also remember that superior gluteal nerve injuries will not demonstrate any sensory deficits. The inferior gluteal nerve receives contributions from the L5 through S2 nerve roots. It provides motor innervation that results in hip extension by innervating the gluteus maximus. It does not provide any sensory innervation and does not have any terminal branches. Injuries to this nerve are rare, but can be caused during hip arthroplasty. They may result in a motor deficit that demonstrates impaired hip extension, which presents with difficulty climbing stairs, stepping onto a bus, and arising from a chair. And remember that there will not be any sensory deficits. The lateral femoral cutaneous nerve receives contributions from the L2 and L3 nerve roots. It does not provide any motor innervation, but it does provide sensory innervation to the anterolateral thigh. Also remember that it does not have any terminal branches. Injury to this nerve may be caused by compression as the nerve passes under the inguinal ligament and may result in what is referred to as moralgia paresthetica. This may be caused by pregnancy, tight clothing, or obesity. Remember that injury to this nerve does not result in any motor deficits, but will result in sensory deficits, which will demonstrate sensory loss, numbness, and paresthesias over the anterolateral thigh. Let's briefly review the sensory innervation of the foot. Remember that the foot has multiple nerves carrying sensory input, and identifying areas of sensory loss will aid in the localization of specific nerve lesions. If there is a sensory deficit of the lateral foot, this is due to injury to the sural nerve, which receives branches from the tibial nerve and the common perineal nerve. If there is a sensory deficit along the medial foot, this is due to injury to the saphenous nerve, which is a terminal branch of the femoral nerve. If there is a sensory deficit to the dorsal aspect of the foot, this is due to injury to the superficial perineal nerve, which is a terminal branch of the common perineal nerve. If there is a sensory deficit in the first web space, this is due to injury to the deep perineal nerve, which is a terminal branch of the common perineal nerve. And finally, if there is a sensory deficit along the plantar aspect of the foot, this is due to injury of the tibial nerve via the lateral plantar, medial plantar, and calcaneal nerves. And remember that the tibial nerve is a terminal branch of the sciatic nerve. Now that we've discussed the major points relating to lower extremity innervation, let's walk through some questions to apply what we've learned and get a sense of how the topic might be tested. For the first question, consider the following clinical scenario. A 45-year-old man presents to the emergency department with severe abdominal pain. 
A physical exam demonstrates diffuse abdominal tenderness and rigidity. His temperature is 102 degrees Fahrenheit or 38.8 degrees Celsius. Blood pressure is 100 over 64. Pulse is 112 beats per minute and respirations are 24 breaths per minute. Following initial stabilization, the patient underwent an emergency laparotomy with appendectomy for perforated appendicitis. Postoperatively, the patient complains of left foot numbness and tingling. Physical exam demonstrates decreased eversion of the left foot and decreased sensation to the dorsum of the foot except for the space between the first and second digits. What nerve is most likely damaged in this patient? And the answer choices are choice 1, deep fibular nerve, choice 2, saphenous nerve, choice 3, superficial fibular nerve, choice 4, sural nerve, or choice 5, tibial nerve. The best answer to this question is choice 3, superficial fibular nerve. This patient likely has superficial fibular nerve damage as demonstrated by his sensory changes and decreased eversion on physical exam. Iatrogenic injury of the fibular nerve is well documented during abdominal surgery. Prolonged compression during lateral hip and leg rotation with knee flexion during operative positioning can lead to nerve damage. The common fibular nerve is the smaller terminal branch of the sciatic nerve and contains root values of L4, L5, S1, and S2. The nerve bifurcates at the fibular head into the deep and superficial fibular nerves. The superficial fibular nerve innervates the lateral compartment of the leg. Therefore, damage of the nerve can lead to the inability to evert the foot. In addition, the nerve provides sensation to the dorsum of the foot. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choice 1. Deep fibular nerve supplies the anterior compartment of the extensor muscles of the leg. Therefore, damage to the nerve leads to foot drop or decreased dorsiflexion. Of note, the nerve also provides cutaneous innervation to the webbing between the first and second digits. Choice 2. Saphenous nerve is a sensory branch of the femoral nerve and supplies sensation to the anteromedial, medial, and posteromedial surface of the leg. Dorsiflexion is not associated with the saphenous nerve. Choice 4. Sural nerve is a sensory nerve in the calf region and supplies sensation to the skin of the lateral foot and lateral lower ankle. Choice 5. Tibial nerve is a branch of the sciatic nerve and supplies the posterior compartment of the leg. Damage to the nerve can lead to loss of plantar flexion, loss of toe flexion, and weakened inversion. In addition, sensation to the back and lower surface of the heel may be diminished. Finally, a bullet summary. Damage to the superficial fibular nerve will lead to the loss of foot eversion and decreased sensation at the dorsum of the foot. For the second question, consider the following clinical scenario. A 35-year-old man is involved in a motorcycle accident with resultant open fracture of his left proximal fibula and tibia. He has status post-open reduction internal fixation and was discharged after an uneventful post-operative recovery. He now presents for follow-up after starting physical therapy and states that he has been having trouble moving his ankle. On exam, the patient's temperature is 99.0 degrees Fahrenheit or 37.2 degrees Celsius. Blood pressure is 130 over 82, pulse is 70 beats per minute, and respirations are 14 breaths per minute. He is in no distress. The patient has had decreased swelling since surgery and has good active range of motion at the knee joint. At his left ankle, the patient is noted to have a loss of active eversion with passive range of motion preserved. Additionally, the patient is noted to have a loss of sensation over his dorsal left foot, sparing the first web space. 
which of the following muscles is likely affected? And the answer choices are choice one, extensor digitorum longus, choice two, extensor hallucis longus, choice three, perineus longus, choice four, perineus tertius, or choice five, tibialis anterior. The best answer to this question is choice three, perineus longus. This patient with a proximal fibula injury and loss of foot eversion and loss of dorsal foot sensation sparing the first web space likely has injury to his superficial perineal nerve, which innervates the perineus longus and perineus brevis. The superficial perineal nerve is a sensory and motor nerve that innervates the perineus longus and perineus brevis muscles and provides sensation to the anterolateral lateral leg and the dorsum of the foot except for the first web space. It is a branch of the common perineal nerve, which divides near the lateral knee to form the superficial perineal nerve and the deep perineal nerve. The perineus longus and perineus brevis muscles are in the lateral compartment of the leg and provide foot eversion and assist with plantar flexion. Damage to the superficial perineal nerve results in loss of eversion. Sensation to the first dorsal web space of the foot is provided by the deep perineal nerve. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choice one, the extensor digitorum longus extends the toes and dorsiflexes the ankle and is innervated by the deep perineal nerve. This patient has an intact deep perineal nerve as demonstrated by intact sensation at the first web space. Choice two, the extensor hallucis longus extends the hallux and also dorsiflexes the ankle and is innervated by the deep perineal nerve. Choice four, the perineus tertius is the only perineal muscle to be innervated by the deep perineal nerve. This muscle is located in the anterior compartment and assists with dorsiflexion as well as eversion of the foot. Choice five, the tibialis anterior is an anterior compartment muscle innervated by the deep perineal nerve. It dorsiflexes and inverts the foot. Finally, a bullet summary. Damage to the superficial perineal nerve results in loss of foot eversion due to impairment of the perineus longus and perineus brevis. That's all for this review about lower extremity innervation. We hope that was helpful. This is the MedBullet Step 1 podcast, a daily audio review session for MedBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. As a reminder, you can follow along with these podcast episodes by reviewing the topics directly on MedBullets.com. You can listen to these episodes on the MedBullets website or phone app while reading through the topic. If the MedBullets podcast has been valuable to you, we'd be thrilled if you considered leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow, right here, on the MedBullets Step 1 podcast.